questions. Amen. Let's get in the word. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We've been taking this month to talk about vision. We're talking about vision. Let me, I didn't put this verse in there, but let me just read you the verse. We can look at it. This is where we were a couple weeks ago. How many of you were blessed by Pastor Mike last week? Was that a blessing? Amen. Vision for our families, vision for our homes. It starts with us. It starts with us. We don't change anything around us until we change what's in us. Amen. And um, so it's exciting, you know, to have this opportunity to go over the vision this month and have people come in that are within the same vision. We had Reverend Randy the first uh, weekend uh, talking about provision for the vision, talking about how we give financially, contribute uh, financially to the vision that God has. Um, you know, the, the great thing about God is he is very interested in incorporating you and I in his vision. His vision is not outside of us, and we're not just, you know, bystanders watching what God is doing. No, we are the, the keys to the vision taking place in the earth today. And you have to see that. You have to own that. You have to know that. That without me, it's not being accomplished. You want to be a part of what God is doing in these last days. You want to be a part of what God is doing in this church. You want to be a part of what God is doing in your lives. And this isn't a sit and watch thing. I heard uh, someone tell me once, he said, I'm not saved to sit. (laughs) Not saved to sit. But so easy it is to take on that mentality. So easy it is to go through life and just watch the days go by and watch the stuff happen around us. You know, we're seeing the destruction and the, uh, you know, the unbelievable, unimaginable things that we're seeing in our world today. Uh, Some of it as far as the uh, Middle East and some of it right here in our own nation. Okay, there are things that are happening in our own backyards and it's, Incredible to see all this, but we're not just here to sit and watch. We're not here to sit and watch and even say, thank God I'm saved. Thank God uh, I don't have to deal with that. Thank God. But it's more of a mentality of what can I do to change? What can I do to make a difference? What can I do to see things change around me? And so, you know, it's been phenomenal to look at these, you know, ministers come in that are giving us... It's a plan of action. It's a plan of action. One of my favorite uh, movies and one of my son's favorite movies is The Avengers. And there's a scene where uh, uh, they're on the plane. They've just captured Thor's brother. And they're on the plane and Thor shows up and takes his brother and flies off the plane. And you have Captain America and you have Iron Man. And Captain America, you know, he's a soldier. He's a fighter. He... He's always thinking strategically, and he says, uh, you know, Iron Man's ready to go after Thor and and get Thor's brother back because they need him. And Captain America says, hold on, we need a a plan of attack. And Iron Man says, I do have a plan. Attack. That's it. It's that simple. I have a plan. Attack. And it's that simple. it's, It's a plan of action that we're seeing this month. I hope that you're seeing that, that it starts with us. And the reason we're taking a look at the vision, the reason that we're looking at why vision is so important to us is because God said himself, a people without vision perish. People without vision perish. I hate to see leaders that lose vision. 
I hate to see that. And you, and you see that, you know, ministry can wear on you. Ministry, you know, pastors that lose vision, lose a sight for what God wants to do. And, and here's why we lose vision, guys. And we talked about it last time. The reason why we lose vision is because we gain sight. Sight is the greatest enemy of vision. What's the difference? Vision is forecasting. Vision is future. Sight tells me where I'm at today, what I have today, what's available to me today, who's hurt me today, what I don't have today. And many times, and this goes for our personal lives as well, this isn't just church related. This isn't just for pastors, this is for you. God's given you a vision for your home. God's given you a vision for your marriage. God's given you a vision for your children. He's given you a vision for the business that he's placed in your hands. He's given you a vision financially. And where we lose the vision is we gain sight. What do we do? We start looking at what's in front of us today. I have never seen, never, and I'm not that old, so, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but I have never seen a leader be passionate only being led by sight. The Bible doesn't show me anybody that got sight-driven, that only looked at what they had today and accomplished the purpose of God for their lives. King Saul did not finish his race because he became sight-driven. But King David finished his race because he was vision-minded. So my question to you today is, will you be sight-driven or will you be vision-minded? Vision comes with risks. I'm aware of this. Vision comes with sacrifice. You lay something down. There is a cost that is paid when you go after vision. But there's no cost when you're sight-driven. There, there is no sacrifice in just living in what I have today. It's comfortable. It's mediocre. It's half but I'm all right with it. And you do not fulfill, guys, you do not fulfill God's potential in your life without being vision-minded. And so in Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2, it said, The Lord answered me and said this, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it it, uh, but at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In the New Living, it reads this way. The Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. The vision that God has for our lives must be clear. We saw this last time. The vision that God has for our lives must be written down plainly. Why? So we can sit around and read it? No. So that he who reads it can now run with it. And so the reason why we're doing this and the reason why I've made such a strong push for especially our, our vision partners to be here this month, is because it is important for us to keep the vision in front of us. If I don't keep the vision in front of me, I start looking at what's around me. 
If I don't keep the vision in front of me of what God has told me about my family, I'll start looking at what my, the, the mess my family is in. If, if I don't get the vision in front of me about what God has told me about my financial situation, the business that I own, my marriage, whatever it is that God has made you a steward of, if you don't get the vision, you'll be led by sight. You'll be moved by what's around you. Sight causes you to be moved by what's around you. Vision causes you to change what's around you. I'm going to have to get this CD. I'll say that again. Sight causes you to be moved by what's around you. When I just look at what's around me, it moves me. I'm not affecting it, it's affecting me. But when I get vision, I'm now put in a posture to change what's around me to look like the vision God has given me. See, vision's difficult because, because vision doesn't look like what we see. And most of the time, if you truly give yourself to the vision God has given you, it will seem impossible based upon your current situation. There's no way I could do that. There's no way I could be that. There's no way our family could overcome this. There's no way my marriage can surpass this. There's no way that this church can grow. There's no way we can make this big of an impact. There's no way we can have buildings and land and property. There's no way we could start this ministry. But when you give yourself to the vision and quit looking at what's around you, you start changing what's around you. This is why we've got to remain vision-minded people. So, where I want to go today, we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1. And I want to focus today on what the church in general is supposed to do and how we at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta are going to play a role in that. I'm, I'm kind of working backwards a little bit because I wanted to talk about our individual role. But we have a saying at Anchor Faith Church that says, the vision is bigger than all of us, but it requires each one of us. So I'm going to start with the bigger than all of us. And my prayer today is that you become so encompassed with the big vision that requires all of us that you come next week and you find out, how do I play my part? Because where I was going to go today was talk about your individual role. You are the members of the body of Christ individually. So I'm going to work backwards today. What I want you to see today is that God needs his church in the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. In our image, according to our likeness. In our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We've seen this many times. God placed us in the earth to manage this property, 
You are a manager. To have dominion means to be in authority, means to subdue, means to dominate. And God in heaven had a kingdom, a king's domain in heaven. And he extended that domain from the spirit realm, heaven, to the natural realm, earth. And that's what we live on. And God did not intend to rule the earth himself. He placed man on the earth to rule it, to govern it, to control it, to manage it. In the corporate world, if you have a retail store, there's a chain of command. And so you may have a retail store. You may have a Best Buy in Valdosta, Georgia. And there in Best Buy, you have a store manager. His domain, his territory to rule over, to govern, is within that store. And above him is another manager. They usually call them district managers. And the district manager is over several different territories, several different domains. But the district manager is not showing up and writing out schedules and telling people when to be there and and doing price changes and, and making sure that the store opens up on time. No, that has been given to the store manager over that specific territory. And the store manager is to operate that store in line with the chain of command. So he's not given free reign. He can't just say, you know what, I feel like opening up at 12. I know everyone else is supposed to open up at 9, but we're going to open up at 12. And we're going to let people go at 6. We're going to mark everything down to a dollar. We're going to be the best buy dollar store. He doesn't get that privilege. He doesn't get that Response, that, that doesn't come with the responsibility. He does not have free reign. What does he have to do? He operates in chain of command, which means he has to be in communication with his head. And so, go on, and, you know, so on and so forth. So Adam, Eve, they're placed in the earth. All of mankind is placed in the earth to govern, control, manage this earth as God would manage it. Now, you can imagine the despair to a district manager if he finds out that, you know, he's having to drive in town to open up the store and, and, and close the store and, and make schedules and do all the responsibilities of the store manager. No, I've placed you there to do that. That's your job. That's why you're there. I saw someone, one of my friends put on Facebook this past week. They said, you are here to fix problems. So problems are your job security. <laughs> problems are why you're here. You've heard me say it. The anointing is on you to fix messes. We get into messy situations and we want out. When you're the very one that needs to be in the mess to change the mess. Because that is why God placed you in the earth. Let them have dominion. Let them have authority. Let them subdue, govern, control, manage the earth. God has vested interest in mankind. 
God has vested interest in you and I. But I've got to be specific because two chapters later, a problem arises. Two chapters later, man gives up his dominion, gives up his authority to the enemy. So instead of every man on the earth now falling in line with the kingdom, there's a restoration that has to take place. So Jesus shows up. And if you go over to Matthew chapter 16, Jesus came not to die on a cross and take you to heaven. I'm sorry if that's what you've heard all your life. But that was not Jesus' purpose. Jesus' assignment was the cross. His purpose was the kingdom. Jesus' assignment was the cross, but his purpose was the kingdom. And Jesus' number one purpose was to preach the kingdom, restore the kingdom, and place you in right standing in the kingdom so that Genesis 1.26 could take place again. Throughout the Bible, God is always looking for a man to institute, a man to call on. He's looking for an Abraham. He's looking for a Moses. He's looking for a David, looking for a Daniel, looking for a Joshua. He's looking for a Gideon. He's looking for a Samson. He's looking for a man to accomplish his will in this realm. And so his overall purpose is to get back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is what we call the original intent. The original intent. This was God's intention. This is what he wanted to do. This is what he intended to do. And God never went back on his original purpose, on his original intention. He spent all that time trying to find out, how can I get man back into rulership? How can I get man back into governing, back into me? He, he didn't say, man, they broke everything I put in place. Let's just, all bring, let's just bring them all to heaven. Forget the whole earth thing. That didn't work out. We'll just do heaven. So Jesus, go down, die on the cross so that we can get them all back here. That is not what God did. No, God said they've lost dominion. They've lost authority. I've got to get the authority back to them. So look what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 17, he has this conversation with Peter who do men, or to his disciples. Who do men say that I am? Well, we think you're Elijah or Jeremiah or, you know, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? Simon says you are the Christ, Son of the living God. In verse 17, Jesus responds, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So God in heaven is saying something. He's the one that's speaking. And I also say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build what? My religion? My government? My dynasty? No, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
I want to tell you today that God has interests. Do you know God is interested in things? He's interested in things. But I want to tell you what his number one interest in the earth today is. His number one interest is not the war in the Middle East. His number one interest is not all the horrible stuff that we see and trying to fix all that. The number one thing he is interested in, the number one thing he is most passionate about is his church. I didn't say the church. I didn't say a church. I said his church. His church. Jesus is very specific. I will build my church. Unless we're building his church, we're building the wrong church. All I know is that for the rest of my life, I want to be interested in what God is interested in. I believe that God has placed the church in the earth to be the answer for a lost and dying world. I believe the local body church is the hope of the world. I'm confident in that. I'm confident in that. I think the church can conquer anything this world this world tries to bring. Any problem that arises. And this verse tells me that. This verse, Matthew chapter 16, 17 through 19, is God's answer to Genesis 1.26. I call it the Genesis 1.26 remix. It's what it is. What's he say here? Let's look at it. Uh, On this rock, I will build. Who's building it? Jesus. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys. The keys are the key. The keys are the key. Because keys denote authority. When he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, he's saying, remember that authority and that dominion and that governing and that managing and that control that I gave Adam in the garden in Genesis 1.26? Yeah, I'm giving that back to you, my church. Notice that what was given to Adam in the garden is not just given back to all mankind. There is a qualifier. My church. My church. That's the qualification. People in the world do not have dominion and control and cannot manage the earth. They don't look like managers to me. I don't know if you've watched the news lately. There's not a whole lot of managing going on. No, that responsibility has been given to the church, his church. You don't become his church because you have a sign on the front of your building that says church. You don't become his church because you just say, we're a church. No, you become his church because you follow his commands. 
And I believe in the last days it will be more and more identifiable what his church looks like. What his church looks like. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why did we miss this verse for so long? Why have we lived so long thinking we're waiting on heaven? Why have we lived so long thinking that I need heaven to show up in my life? I need heaven. And this verse is telling us that heaven will reciprocate what I do in the earth. The church, his church, was designed for one, pur- for one purpose, to impact the earth. His church is in the earth for one reason, to change it. What you control, you change. What you manage, you change. From looking like it looks now, you change it. The church was designed to impact everything around it. There shouldn't be churches in a town and the town not feel the impact of that church. Now, this takes time. This isn't overnight. This isn't I get my 501c3 certificate and I throw up a church sign on my building and now we just start changing everything. It takes time, and we'll talk about that. But ultimately... Churches being in a town should change the town. This is why in the book of Acts, churches didn't have names like first anything. First Baptist, first, there's a lot of firsts. Someone's got to be first. Someone was first. First church. And honestly, the, the first church looked a lot different than a lot of the first churches that we see but in the book of acts the churches were identified by the towns they were in the church at Thessalonica the church at Corinth the church at Ephesus the church at Philippi the church at Colossae it was the church at Rome why because they left a mark in fact in the book of acts when Peter and John really started getting busy and the disciples really started going out and doing what the church is supposed to do. It says that they have turned the world upside down. Turned the world upside down. Why? Because churches are to impact everything around them. Today, I, I, I see this hermit mentality for people in church. Just us four and no more. We don't want to reach anybody. We don't want to talk to anybody. We want to get behind our stained glass doors and, and, and windows and just worship God and have our experiences and have the presence of God in this place and, and go out and do nothing with it. It's a mentality that's defensive instead of offensive. But the verse tells me, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is an attack verse, not a defense verse. 
The gates of hell will not prevail. That means we are on the attack. We are on the offensive. And every time that we come to a gate of hell, we break it down and change everything inside of it. That's the church that God is interested in. That is the church that God is most vested in. And that's the church that we're committing to bring to this city. The church is God's way of touching the earth. The church is God's way of touching the earth. You can't serve God and not serve people. It's impossible. You cannot serve God and not serve people. I'll take it a step further. You cannot love God and not love people. Now, I know we have to define love because love in our day and age and in this culture is give you a hug, pat you on the back, sympathize with you, empathize with you, have compassion, feel sorry for you agree with you when whatever you say, whether it's wrong or right, this isn't love. There's a definition of love because God is love. But you cannot love God and not love people. You cannot serve God and not serve people. And the church that God is raising up in the last days, the church that is his church, makes an impact all around them. That's why he says, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Bill Winston says it this way, nothing should happen in the earth today without the church's permission. Yet we sit back in our recliners and lazy boys and couches, watch the stuff on the news and the TV and just say, oh my God, get us out. I remember last year when we had things going on right here in our own town at Lowndes High School. There were December 2012, a maniac goes into a kindergarten classroom and shoots up 27 kids, teachers. You know, we see this stuff and it hits home, it hits us. We see the craziness that's going on. And the number one thing we should be doing is getting on our knees and praying. In January of 2013, I opened up this church every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. could come whenever you want, come and pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Prayer changes things. That is the church's responsibility. This stuff should not be happening without our permission. Whatever we bind is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose is loose in heaven. You have the right, you have the responsibility as a born-again, spirit-filled believer in the body of Christ. Jesus said it himself, a, a, a kingdom that is divided cannot stand. And yet we have disunity in churches. People have their own opinions, their own doctrines, their own ideas. It's amazing how many different ways we can read one book. Unbelievable. 
There's over 5,000 denominations just in Christianity alone. I'm not talking religions. I'm talking just within Christianity. That means there are over 5,000 different ways people have read this book. Why? Because the enemy can't stop the church unless he infiltrates. You can't stop the church from the outside, so you have to get in the inside. Discord. Unfaithfulness. Division. Grumblings. Moanings. Complainings. But no, we're going to be his church. The church was designed to impact everything around it. You've got to understand this, that God's vision that he gives for your life is for the benefit of others. If your vision for your life doesn't help anybody, it's not of God. If the vision that you think you have for your life doesn't benefit someone else, doesn't make an impact or influence on someone else, it's not from God. And make an influence for the better. Because there are some people out there being influential, Justin Bieber, but negatively, not positively. You should be leaving a positive mark, a positive impact on the lives of the people around you. This vision that God has given us is for others. The vision that God has given us is to go out and do something. That's why our vision, stated on our back wall here, says ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. And we're not talking geographically. I'm talking physically. There's a city of people, there's a nation of people, and there's a world of people that need to be ignited, impacted, and influenced by the kingdom of God. And so we have to carry out the vision that God has given us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Everyone say, the vision is bigger than all of us, but it requires each one of us. I say that a lot. In my own life, I say that a lot. I look around and I say, the vision's bigger, man. The vision's bigger. The vision's bigger. That's why I love seeing new people come in. That's why I love seeing new people connect. It's not because I just want to fill up seats and you know eventually get more money and bigger. But that's, All that stuff means I, I can have church outside. It's hot. And I thank God I can be inside air conditioning right now. Lights. Holding a microphone and sound. I'm not throwing out my voice trying to minister this morning. But I've had the great opportunity to minister in Nicaragua twice now. And they don't have anything that we have. They have a concrete slab and red iron. In a roof. No sheetrock. There's no paint. There's no little signs. They got some pretty cool paintings 
some cool murals. But they sit outside. And you're just praying that a breeze will come up under that thing. Come on, somebody. And then we get white patio chairs. Not nice ones. I'm talking like the little plastic ones, $3 ones from Home Depot. And they hear the word. I can teach for hours down there, man. You don't have to cut it in half because I have an interpreter. <laughs> you know, however long it goes, like, okay, divide that by two. But I can go. And they'll sit and they'll listen and they'll write everything down. Wearing the same clothes they had on yesterday. They don't care. Because that's what's important. That's what they value. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the fullness of Jesus. The church is the fulfillment of Jesus. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is not full without his body, the church. We are the body of Christ in the earth today. We are Jesus to someone today. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouths. So God is not reaching anybody you're not reaching. Well, God's everywhere. God, God's with them all the time. God's right there. He knows everything. That's going. He sure does. But he needs you to reach them. God needs us. God needs us. God needs us. God needs his church doing their part individually and accomplishing a large task, a large vision. We look at the stuff that goes on in the world, and it looks huge. How can I play a part? What can I do? But when every little part, and that's what we'll talk about next week, when every little part is doing their thing, the whole is accomplished. I'm up here preaching today. Because there are many little parts in my body performing their function, not worried about what the other person is doing, not, you know, angry because someone else isn't doing their role like they think they should be doing their role. Why, why are they getting all the attention and no one even sees me? My heart isn't griping because, uh, you know, my body on the outside is getting all the attention and you can't see my heart, but my heart's doing probably most of the work right now. My lungs are working right now. And the members individually, all the different parts of this body that make up one body. You don't see, you don't see me and say, hey, Pastor Mark's head. Hey, Pastor Mark's feet. Hey, Pastor Mark's... No, you acknowledge me as one body. The church should be reflecting Jesus in the earth today. That's what the church should be doing. That's what the church is doing. The question is, are we a part of that church? I, I believe that those statements, we've, we've read them as optional. And I will build my church. 
And we ask ourselves, well, is he building his church? Now, I believe he's building his church. And then the question becomes, am I a part of his church? And am I performing my role and my function, my assignment in the earth? He gave him to be the head over all things. So Jesus is the head. But let me ask you, who carries out the functions that the head wants to do? The body. So Jesus wills it, and we do it. Jesus wants it, and we accomplish it. Jesus thinks it, and the body reacts and gets it done in the earth. That's you and I. We're the ones fulfilling the will of God in the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ and members individually. We are the body of Christ. And when we touch people, God touches people. When we touch people, God touches people. Now, I'm not talking from the pulpit with a microphone preaching the word. I'm talking about on your daily jobs, the stuff that you go through on a daily basis. Anybody ever been somewhere with someone that you maybe didn't know that well, maybe first time ever met them, and they just start spilling the beans to you? Anybody? You can raise your hand. You know why? Because they know that there's something inside of you. Subconsciously, they are aware You can do something about my situation. A cashier in the checkout, I don't know you from Adam, and you're just telling me about what happened, you know, what your kids are going through and what your marriage is going through and and why you're working this second job because you're trying to go back to school. and, 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 And they are reaching out because there's something about you that they realize You've got something I need. What God gave the church, what God gave Adam, wasn't for us. It's for others. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, he was making an impact on other people. And, you know, we make a big deal about the miracles and all the signs and wonders that he did. And, again, we think, I can't do that. But you can because you are Jesus in the earth today. But there's little things he did. Like having a a conversation with the woman that's been married five times and the person she's currently living with isn't even her husband. How about a moment with a demon-possessed man that uh, has lived his whole life out in a graveyard, can't even keep any clothes on, cuts himself, destroys himself, sets him free. How about the 12 disciples? Some messed up people. Walks with them, puts up with them, disciples them, trains them, and they turn the world upside down. How about Mary and Joseph? Age of 12. Can't find him. Been looking for him for three days. Where you been? I've been about my father's business. What about the impact and the influence that he made on all those individuals? That he didn't heal that he didn't raise up from lame, that he didn't 
you know, sometimes we, we just look at all the miracles and those are the people he affected. He affected every person around him. How about 5,000 people that follow him out into the wilderness and are listening to him preach for several days and he realizes we haven't given them anything to eat. And he multiplies food in front of them. You don't think that's impactful? You don't think that's making an influence? Jesus was always trying to influence everyone around him, always making an impact on people's lives. And as long as they were receptive, look, if Jesus didn't get everybody, we won't get everybody. But he didn't let that stop him. He didn't let one Pharisee, Sadducee, scribe, or elder, he didn't let any of them stop him from accomplishing the vision God gave him. And so this is our charge today. The vision is bigger than all of us. But it requires each one of us. It requires each one of us to give. It requires each one of us to grow. It requires each one of us to serve. It requires each one of us to learn. I don't want you to come to church just because I've passed the church and you know, I'm in personally invested in this thing. I want you to come to church because I know it can change your life. I know you're going through things in your life that you need what we have, the instruction and the development and the growth, and we never stop growing. Why? So that we can go out there and make an impact. I am thoroughly convinced that we can change Valosta. And there's other churches that are doing the same thing. But God has called us here to this city for such a time as this. Brought people alongside us that have moved here or that even lived here and are coming and serving alongside us. And and fulfilling the kingdom of God and the will of God in this earth, in this city, in these communities. God did not come to set up Christianity. Jesus did not come to set up religion. Jesus did not come to just give you something to do on Sunday mornings because you don't have anything else to do. It's not why he came. He came to put something inside of you that you can give away to others. He came to change you on the inside. Every person in this room is here because of somebody. Somebody. Someone. You're in the kingdom of God today because of someone. And that someone may have been a co-worker. May have been a family member. May have been a preacher on the other side of a TV screen. I don't know. But you're where you're at today as a result of some one. And we need to become a church that reaches some one. Everyone reach one. That's who we need to be. That's who we are. That's who we're growing to become over in Ephesians chapter 4 it says that we may grow up into into him who's the head 
grow up into. Jesus isn't coming down to our level. He's saying, this is where I'm at and you can be where I'm at. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And you can be with me. Seated with me. Together. We are the answer for a lost and dying world. We are the hope of the world. I've got a video that I want to play real quick that will just give you a highlight to date of some of the things we have done, some of the influence we have made, some of the impact that is taking place in this ministry that you're a part of, that you've partnered with, that you've connected with. And if you haven't, then this is an opportunity to see what you can be a part of. I want to play that video. 